Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of Grit, a show about persevering and betting on your dreams. I'm Aki Vora and in this show I have conversations with some incredible Indians who have gone against the grain and are catalyzing change in India. On today's episode I interview Shweta Srinivasan and Mani Kumar, the co-founders of the Mind Clan, which is a mental health platform dedicated to giving individuals access to a curated list of tools for mental health care. They took time out to discuss how the idea for the platform came about, the resources that they offer, and the status of mental health care in India today. I do hope you like this episode and urge you to check out the incredible resources at themindclan.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us a lot. You can also follow us along on Instagram at gritbyakivora. So I wanted to start by saying thank you so much for taking time out. I know you guys are especially like very busy during this time. So it means a lot. And I'm really excited to ask you guys questions about mental health and the space in India. I studied psychology for a little, like my secondary in college was psychology. Um, but I don't know much about it. So I'm, I'm still really excited to ask you guys and pick your brains about all the amazing work that you do. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for, thank having, you for having us and inviting us. Yeah. Um, so I thought a good place to start would be for listeners that are less familiar with um, your company, The Mind Clan, if you could tell us a little bit about what you guys do and how you guys bring together healthcare professionals and people that are looking for support and all of the other amazing resources. Shweta, uh, should I take this? Yeah, Mani, I was just, yeah. Okay, fair. Perfect. So if you if you were to look at it, currently the way everyone looks at the mental healthcare system is very influenced by the way you look at the physical healthcare system. By which I mean you are either going to a doctor in the physical healthcare system or you're not caring for your health at all. Which in a way also becomes an illness care system than a healthcare, but that's a different topic altogether. But the issue with the mental healthcare system is that or the way people perceive it, I mean, is that you are either going to a counselor or a psychiatrist or you're not caring for your mental health at all. It's either a yes or a no, and there's absolutely no scope for the gray in between. So the the problem that we recognize in this space is that the mental health care landscape is vast. There are many people providing support. There are many systems that already exist and everyone's adapting. Everyone's... Uh, what do you say, growing, everyone's nuances building, but it's all happening in silos. How many support groups exist in Mumbai? We have no idea. How many counselors exist in Mumbai? We have no idea. Now, if I say how many of them exist in India, we have no idea. The information we do know are the, the, the ones that are, in, like, that, that are statistically published. And when you're seeking care, you want to be able to access it. So the mind plan it is actually a mental health care platform where we uh, bring access to effective mental health care tools for anyone who's looking for support. And this means you can get access to support groups, helplines, counselors, resources, as well as other tools like events and whatnot to help you support your mental health care journey. So I think uh, in addition to what Mani was sharing, I think one of the things is that uh, I that I also want to highlight is how 
the platform really works in the sense that you access the platform, you see a bunch of resources in front of you, like your therapist list, support groups, workshops, blog articles, etc. And essentially what you do is select any one resource or tool that feels like it resonates with you. And the second thing is that you do a deep dive into it where you access it, you access the information behind it, see whether the questions that are answered in it or the information that this resource is providing you, does it feel like it fits with your experience? And then finally, you um, access the reach out button, which is essentially reaching out to the professional or the support group. Or if it comes to a resource or a blog article, you're basically accessing the, the content in it. So it's, it's really um, as simple as that. And I think one of the things about our platform it's all, is also that it's, uh, it's a free platform that's accessible to everybody. We don't uh, charge anyone for using the platform. And we also don't charge the professionals and support groups that we list on the platform for being listed. I think that's one of the things that uh, is important to us, that we want to be able to have this platform be accessible to people um, as much as possible. So I think that's another thing that I'd like to add about the mind clan. Um, no, that's, that's awesome. And what I really appreciate about it is that you guys say you want to make it accessible, but it's very apparent through your actions um, in terms of it being free and easy to, to access um, and taking away that financial barrier um, that sometimes exists. So that is, that is absolutely incredible. So, I mean, you spoke about the gap that exists and presumably that's how the idea for the mind plan came about, but um, I'm really interested to know how you guys met and how you guys came up with this idea and then like set up, set up a company. Yeah, I, I think I can take that one. So Mani and I have been friends for the longest time. We've been best friends, I think, for close to a decade now. And um, we're also dating, so he is my partner as well. And I think around uh, 2017 was when we sort of um, suddenly kind of just sat together to talk about the mental health care space in India um, in that time. And, and, and at that moment, I was working, uh, I was just kind of starting my private practice as a therapist. And I was also figuring um, that bit out and uh, what the counseling space really looks like. So I was really fresh into my profession as well. And, uh, and I think when we kind of just sat together and talked about what are some of the concerns that our immediate circle has been facing in terms of accessing therapy. Um, and one of the main things that came up was that uh, it's very difficult to find the therapist that's the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, uh, we've, we've kind of heard experiences of people where they've met therapists, but either there's just been um, like, a gap in vibe or just a gap in values or mindsets and that sort of come in the way of the therapeutic progress and uh, either it's that or it's also other instances where they've kind of heard very specific judgments that the therapist might have made um, or kind of allowing their own opinions to cloud um, some of the, the client's uh, experiences. And hearing all of that, I think we were just wondering what would it be like if we were to create a resource a pool of therapists um, who, who sync with us in our values, who understand mental health in the same way that we do, and which is that 
it should be person centric um it should place the client first um and um you know and also look at mental health from the lens of what we call social justice which is that we understand it to be also impacted by our environment and our context so if we were to you know create a platform that people could trust in some ways and that's that was our hope initially when we um started to think about this and money of course he comes from a background of uh, website designing and coding and seo so uh, both of us just kind of and he's also a strong advocate for mental health himself so i think we both just kind of thought about it together and started to build a platform from there um uh, and i think as we ideated more and thought more about it we also realized that therapy is probably not the only form of mental health care that somebody would you know access either because of barriers to access but also because maybe sometimes we may not be ready for therapy right away and we may want to try some other spaces and resources that uh, can help us ease into the mental health care process so that's when we kind of also thought about including uh, other forms of mental health care like support groups um that are there in india and like mani said that i think support groups is a space that's growing exponentially today but i i think back then we were ourselves very curious to know more about where are the support groups what are the support groups that are there and uh, how can we kind of bring together uh, some of these groups that we trust and that see mental health in the same way that we do so um so yeah so kind of listing those support groups together helplines that actually you know are known to answer calls i think that's also something that we were trying to be mindful of while listing them workshops that people are doing on mental health so really sort of allowing a bunch of mental health resources to be placed in the same platform in order to essentially restore agency back to the user of mental health care for them to choose which a uh, kind of mental health care support would they like to try first or would they like to kind of um experience for themselves first and i think this comes from uh, two very important values of ours one is that uh, we've seen the mental health care system almost be like a cookie cutter where each person is put through uh, a funnel of sorts where you kind of you know go through step 1 2 3 irrespective of what your experience is um and the the person or the user of the mental health care service is not given that much uh, agency in choosing the kind of mental health care support that they would feel is right for them and what we wanted to do is kind of flip that over its head and um really just present these options in a non threatening way um and let them know that they can make this choice so we really wanted to kind of respond back to that cookie cutter approach that we've seen that's so prevalent and the second thing is also that we wanted to reduce the intimidation that surrounds um the process of seeking care mm-hmm. and one of the things especially in the therapist space or the counselor's page um is that we really wanted to showcase the person behind the professional as well and not only the professional details so back then in 2017 one of the things that we really noticed was that when someone wants to try and find a therapist what do they do they go on the internet or they possibly you know ask their friends or people in their immediate circle now because there was and there still is a huge amount of stigma around mental health 
the chances are very low that maybe someone in my immediate circle might or might not already have access to to a therapist so if i do not know somebody i will go on the internet to find someone for myself right so but on the internet the only thing that we could access were listicles of therapists mm-hmm. which is basically just a list of therapists with their professional you know details like qualifications location fees their experience number of years etc and of course these are really crucial and important um details that we need to know in order to make a choice for a therapist but money and i really felt that uh, therapy is not like choosing a doctor right it's it's so much more than that because you are entering into this really emotional and intimate conversation and relationship with this person and and i think we felt that it needs to go one step beyond the professional details as well and we need to also be able to showcase a glimpse into who this person is behind the professional what are what has their journey been into counseling why did they choose to become a therapist in the first place what is it that their first session usually looks like uh, what is it that they believe in do they see mental health um, you know what are their values behind mental health that drives them so those are some of the questions that we decided to then include in each therapist profile um which and some of the feedback that we've received is that that particular section has really sort of helped people um overcome a little bit of the hesitation and intimidation that surrounds this idea of a therapist and who this person really is and i think yeah i think at least that's one of the barriers that we're really trying to um ease as much as possible for sure i definitely think like humanizing it um and and getting to know the person cuz even even if it's reading a few lines about them and and like you said understanding their journey into becoming a counselor and 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 what they've been through is very interesting in a way to connect and feel comfortable to share sometimes what are like your your deepest darkest secrets or 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 your vulnerabilities so i definitely that's that's amazing that you guys are doing this but in terms of getting all these people on board support groups and therapists and especially making sure they align with this value proposition that you had um and the way that you were trying to move away from the cookie cutter approach presumably that that mustn't have been easy especially because like you said mental health is still stigmatized in india and that everyone i don't i, I don't know so much about therapists but they probably have their own technique of okay this is how i'm going to assess the situation and move on so how did you guys overcome those barriers on on the other side like putting this together and building that business mm-hmm. so i think uh, when it comes to kind of bringing people together for the platform one of the things that we relied on was um our immediate circle of professionals now since i am a therapist as well uh, and it's it's come from a lot of learning and unlearning that i have done too because the the education that i was put in had a certain view of mental health in you know that that probably looks at it very much in a diagnostic framework mm-hmm. and uh, i think for me to grow from that and also value mental health for the different systems and environmental factors and contexts that also impact it and identities that also impact it and not just to look at people through a box of a diagnosis was an unlearning that i had to do for myself first and as i was doing that unlearning i came across professionals 
um, and therapists who also believed in similar in, in a similar value and ideology that a diagnosis we can't reduce a person to a diagnosis and it needs to also like the mental health of that person needs to also be looked at through various lenses and holistically so uh, in that process so what we wanted to do was first just get those therapists uh, on board to kind of speak to them about this idea and what they think and um, it was uh, fortunate and we're really grateful that all of them were very enthusiastic about this idea and uh, they, they they did decide to kind of come on board um, and then from there we kind of started to really research on a lot more support groups facilitators people in the mental health space who are probably not therapists but they're still doing work um as uh, you know to offer peer support which i think is also just as important as therapists and the professional kind of support so i think that journey was really about um you know having lots of conversations doing a lot of research um having lots of phone calls meeting people and really trying to understand where they come from and um including them into our space and inviting them into our space really um so i think that's mainly what we were doing money do you think uh, do you want to add something to that no absolutely you have actually uh, articulated it exactly as it went um the the challenges that we face in the meantime were we are telling people we are going to make a platform they do not know what it's called they do not know how it looks and um it came like like this is at the ideation stage we didn't even start building the product back then and which is why we're extremely grateful for everyone who stayed around who asked us questions who even challenged what we felt and helped us build the platform to where it is today and we started the platform like on the on the product side we started the platform when i had no idea how to develop websites so my day job at that time included running a design studio so i knew what websites were i knew how to get them executed as a project but when it comes to my own product something that i am building i was extremely anxious and it took about a year for me to actually learn the skills to figure out how this thing works and a year of the product being just a prototype uh, that is a platform that people are accessing 60 days within launching the first version of the platform we discovered that support groups have to also be listed because we are pushing people into a funnel and after spending 2 months in development i scrapped that entire design the entire site and made a completely new one that then took the the current nuance that we just gathered wow that's amazing did you ever were there moments where you were like this is just never going to come together or <laughs> how did you how did you get yourself out of that those those days i think i had those moments more than money did <laughs> no, but yeah so i think for me it actually was um like so if if you look at a platform right uh, in terms of a team it's just co-founders it's just shweta and me working on this day in and day out trying to build this out but if you scroll down a little bit you'll see there's a section called well wishers and those are friends families who've been uh, any colleagues of mine who have been with us ever since the inception stage and uh, one of them so for example for building the product i took the help of shonak who is one of the people listed there and he is the one who has been mentoring me and guiding me in terms of technology and 
to help me cope through that anxiety of building this thing out recognizing uh, how are these things built what is the background i needed well wishers they were the ones who uh, in a way uh, cut through my perfectionism and they were able to tell us that you already have something why don't you put it out it doesn't have to be perfect you can always keep adapting keep growing and in terms of the platform in itself that's how it started about so in 2017 is when i started learning 2018 we we did the prototype of the platform 2019 is when uh, my skills just catapulted where uh, the platform you see right now is uh, what i made entirely that's amazing it's so beautifully designed and and easily accessible it blows my mind that you kind of like self taught and learned all of that and and put it together it's it's absolutely incredible thank you thank you the funniest part is um like like in terms of the the key role that i play in my day in my day job at the time was actually seo and um one thing that i recognized was that none of the platform that people reached out to were accessible enough mm-hmm. so which meant if it's a google sheet that everyone's reaching out to then you can't find that google sheet through a google search you have to hopefully have someone who has referred that google sheet at some point and then they will link it to you if people have their own website they haven't done search engine optimization on it so it's just not popping up on google results and for people like me so i have dyslexia so for me when i am looking up information on any website font size the color everything is really important because i'm honestly forcing myself to read each letter on the screen and which is why since the beginning we've been focusing on accessibility also being one of the core core pillars of the platform so if you scroll down on any page you will see two buttons one is a dark mode which essentially uh, anyone knows that mental health care is something that uh, any platform gets a spike in users mainly at night mm-hmm. and at night you don't want to have something that bright on your face so we have a dark mode that's accessible through the platform at uh, whenever you need it and at the same time i have also been using uh, a dyslexia font across the platform so depending on uh, if you're facing a, dis- a, a a difficulty in reading the platform or not you can actually change the font yourself without having to rely on external tools so the platform does that for you as well that's really cool wow that's amazing you guys think about it from so many different angles like you mentioned i think i'm definitely someone who thought about it through this like one cookie cutter approach and i was like okay this is what what mental health sort of should look like or does look like um but then when shweta mentioned oh there's this like whole social justice aspect and then there's accessibility and there's so many layers to this which is which is incredible and, and blows my mind that you guys are um uncover all of that but to go back so you guys mentioned that there is this discrepancy in that people think that is a, it is a stepwise product and so you wanted to change it from um from the therapist and the care providers but also for the consumer like if you were to go google your symptoms i i feel like you get like the dsm checklist that tells you okay if you meet like five or seven of these criteria but you guys were trying to change that and make like include the gray area and say okay it doesn't necessarily have to be a checklist so how do you go about then changing the perception of the consumer and saying okay it doesn't have to be this way like ditch the web md and like think about it through this other lens So how how does one actually go about doing that and how did you guys do it? Yeah. 
I think that's um, that's actually been one of the toughest things that we've tried to um, engage with. I think uh, our social media and our content vertical, whether it's through blog articles or even the posts that we put out, I think we constantly try to include that nuance of grayness in people's experiences uh, to understand experiences as part of a spectrum um, to to also reassure people that they can trust their own judgment of what's happening to them and letting them know that they have that know-how and they have that sort of wisdom to know that something doesn't feel right and and maybe this is what I need to do about it or this is what feels right for me in terms of mental health care. So I think um, at least in terms of changing the consumer's perception, one of the things that we've really been trying to do is including more um, writing about it or you know just posts about it where we can get this idea across um, and also sort of invite people into engaging with that idea and seeing whether that fits with them or not. Um, because essentially all that we're saying is to really... Um, include various aspects of understanding mental health and not box it into a rigid framework. And, uh, and also what we're seeing is that people are experts of their own lives. People are always and constantly responding to the problems that they're experiencing. So we're just really trying to also push that narrative ahead because I think especially when it comes to mental health, just like Mani was saying earlier, because it's so... Um, so I mean, it's equated to physical healthcare so much that even that patient-doctor relationship that's there in physical health is also somewhere mirrored in the therapist-client relationship in the sense that we place the therapist on a pedestal almost automatically because the person seeking therapy is seen as somebody who's struggling. So then that means that they don't really know um, what's right for them. And so therefore, this therapist is going to help them find those solutions or, you know, make them see the right path to follow. Now, while, of course, the therapist comes with their expertise and they, they are influential in that space of therapy to guide you, I think it's so important for people to know that they are equals in that relationship with the therapist uh, and in that therapy room. And that they come with as much wisdom and as much know-how as the therapist does, in fact, more about their own lives, right? And the therapist is really going to be uh, giving you that space to explore that more and understand that better. So those are also some things that I think we're trying to uh, communicate and and sort of break out of uh, in terms of what people already know about therapy or know about mental health. So I think content-wise is one of the main things that we try to do that with and do you see the willingness of people to try um different approaches increasing as as um as like time goes on and awareness increases like for example if a support group doesn't necessarily work do you think their willingness to then take a step back and not give up and and go to another resource is is increasing that's in fact that's such a great question and that's absolutely one of the intentions of uh, money especially uh, when he was making this platform together, one of the things that he told me and I remember is that uh, I don't want people to exit the platform feeling like they have tried something and that's the only mental health resource that's available and therefore I can't try anything else. I think one of the things that he's also sort of kept in mind while designing the platform and he can maybe share more about it is, is to really sort of let people know that if one thing is not working, 
you can always try something else and that this is a process of um you know trial and error on some level because um, and money calls it soul searching mental health care as soul searching because you really have to also first figure out what's happening with you what are your experiences and where can you find resonance in in a way that it fits with you so i think that can be a bit of a process but uh, but to also let you know that it's okay and it's okay that it doesn't maybe work out in the first try with something but you can always explore other options and that's really been one of the cornerstones of how we've designed the platform so if you also were to look at the platform we have um we have recognized that there are certain parts of a person's journey the moment they reach out to care that they might want to feel more supported mm-hmm. so one part can be i have recognized my counselor i have reached out to them for an appointment i have gotten the appointment confirmed but now i have to wait for one week or two weeks till the appointment actually happens and you can imagine the questions a person might have at that point uh, some of the more funny ones would be how do i summarize 23 years of my life in one hour um like how do i recognize that this relationship is working out for me are the most serious ones how do i remember to bring up certain parts of my life in this uh like in my first session how do i recognize if the if i am able to see a value sync with my counselor in the very first session and for things like these we recognize that sure the platform is helping you reach out to support but let's also in the interim also share resources with you so we have one resource called one day to therapy which as the name uh, suggests are a list of prompts you can ask yourself one day before therapy and these prompts are made in such a way that the moment you download the resource you introspect with it you ask yourself these questions any feeling of maybe anxiousness or intimidation you might have just before the therapy session starts it's all taken care of because you are then entering the therapy room having a complete idea of what to expect from here mm-hmm. and when it comes to the support groups on the other hand it's actually something we have been recognizing that almost anyone who reaches out to support from the platform reaches out to at least one support group at the same time so if i'm reaching out to one counselor i am also reaching out to a support group wow if i'm reaching out to a support group after a certain amount of time i am coming back and reaching out to a counselor which shows a bunch of narratives that one of them which i have recognized is the moment you see or moment you feel a non-judgmental safe space the odds of you checking out other non-judgmental safe spaces increases so it might even be an event you might go to a safe space event and you might feel like the like i feel the safest i have ever been in the last one hour and that might make you consider speaking to a counselor even more because you know how that feels you know what you want to recognize from here and the platform in itself which is why uh, the the counselors are the first tool we list majority of the traction majority of the influence is coming from the other platforms the other vertical sorry that's really interesting i love what you said that the moment you experience a, a non judgmental safe space the odds of you accessing another one increase which is which i guess like directly answers my question in some ways that even if it doesn't completely work and you feel like it's some sort of safe relationship you'd be willing to try out something that might be more 
either more personalized or switch to something that has more of a group group element to that, which is which is super interesting. This actually leads well into into some of the questions that I had about the general men, like mental health care landscape in India. And I, I don't really have a, a specific question. It's it's more like a vague, um, like a vague open-ended conversation about what you guys see. You mentioned a bunch of stuff in terms of there aren't those many accessible resources, which is what you guys are changing. But in terms of the number of people that maybe fall into these categories and that are aware that their mental health may not be at a place that they want it to be. And again, you can't, there is a gray area, right? There's a spectrum, but I was wondering if you could, if you guys have like statistics or just generally the trend that we're going through pre-pandemic, but also right now, um, because I, I see this narrative where a lot of people say this has been life changing for me and I've gotten to, to like explore the things that matter to me. And of course that's a very privileged position to be in, but then there's this other side where people are stuck in, in maybe not so great relationships or households that are abusive or don't have access to, to resources. And I was just wondering if, if you guys could tell, like share with our listeners because they're really interested in this space about like what's going on in India right now. Yeah, I think, um, I think in terms of statistics, I may not have any numbers right off the bat, but I can say that the pandemic and the lockdown has definitely um, influenced mental health in, in many ways. I think it's either, you know, put a lot of us in spaces where, like you said, we're either stuck in unsupportive environments um, or relationships and spaces where um, it's, it's sort of placing an even greater detriment on our mental health either if we were already struggling with something or that we're, you know, experiencing new forms of struggle right now. And at the same time, I've also experienced uh, people who have had, who have witnessed this as a much needed slowdown in their lives. And uh, it's also sort of um, helped support their mental health in some ways. So, and, and of course, everything in between as well. And this is still, we're talking about people who have access to housing and um, you know, spaces to live in and just all their basic amenities in place and their mental health. I mean, I, I don't even know what the mental health would be like of communities that are outside of the urban spaces or daily wage workers and primary health care workers. I think those are also communities that um, whose mental health needs to be spoken about. But uh, but But yeah, I think in terms of the pandemic and the lockdown, I think it's definitely had that sort of an impact on mental health and physical health, you know, equally or in some ways. And I think it's it's sort of intertwined as well, right? I think if my access to proper sleep um, and, and probably no exercise or if my food or my appetite is going for a toss uh, in this pandemic, given that the additional responsibilities are also sort of coming into my plate, uh, I think that in turn affects my energy and my mental health as well and my mood throughout the day. I think the fact that there are no boundaries between work and home is another big factor in that that needs to be taken into account when it comes to mental health. So I think uh, those are some of the things that I've noticed uh, during this pandemic. I'm also just trying to go back to your question. I'm sorry, I'm just... I uh, really remember if... to be honest, but I guess the other thing that I that I was yeah. in was stigma, particularly because, right. 
um, that's a conversation that's always around. Like people are talking about destigmatizing mental health mm. right? because I feel like people in my generation have have certainly destigmatized it more, but are in households perhaps that mm. still consider the, the the stigma around um, mental health. So I was I was hoping a like question like the first part of the question was how do you see that changing? Like how do you how do you see stigma changing and two is like what can an individual do to actually help aid this movement towards destigmatization right so i think in fact i would say that you know honestly in 2017 itself one of the things that money and i um, noticed was that people have now come to an understanding that mental health is a thing it is something that each of us experiences in some way or the other so we felt like the awareness was building and it was pretty much already also almost there in terms of people talking about mental health. But I think what we noticed as a gap was that, okay, I know that mental health is important and I know that I need to care for it, but how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And also, is it okay for me to access therapy or access support groups and you know what's like the judgment around it? So I think that's something that we feel at least since our journey began, has definitely been improving. Um, and in fact, during the, the lockdown, I think one of the main things that's been impacted in a positive way is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Accessibility to different kinds of care. And uh, in fact, just yesterday, Mani and I were speaking to a colleague of ours who was, uh, she runs a support group and she was telling us about how one of the things that she really loves uh, that's happened during this lockdown is that people whom she did not even imagine would access the support group are now able to from different parts of the country. And to do that in a way uh, where you also feel safe because you're anonymously accessing it maybe, or, you know, you're not really kind of coming to a physical space right away. You're just kind of into a, an online meeting. So you're just also, you know, taking your time with it. Uh, and, and not just that, I think it also helps uh, provide access to, say, the disabled community and so many other people who may not have had access to the physical space earlier. So I think because accessibility has increased, I feel like, like taking money's point, people have been able to experience non-judgmental spaces more. And so if you experience those spaces more, that in some way helps to reduce the stigma around it, that it does not have to be as intimidating as I thought it would. And, and the same goes for therapy. I think online therapy is also one of the things that's really been on the rise right now. And because there's more accessibility, I think the stigma also as a function of that has been reducing. Um, I would also kind of want to bring in uh, the aspect of even the financial accessibility. I think that's also, that's also a very uh, valid barrier that a lot of us have experienced and continue to experience. And I think one of the things that has helped is maybe professionals offering sliding scales um, to people and sort of giving them that option of, you know, meeting them at a budget that feels safe and okay for them. Uh, even, in fact, uh, you know, earlier I would say that counseling centers Uh, are are honestly one of the best spaces where you could access mental health care at a at a reduced price because they also have that system to be able to provide that but uh, but if you know finances are still a barrier then definitely other forms of care like support groups or resources and peer support um, I think we would people are sort of understanding that it's okay to kind of go to those 
areas as well uh, before I access professional support if finances are a barrier for me. So, um, so yeah, I think in terms of stigma, uh, I definitely see it reducing. Uh, and I think there's also, if I can add a last point to this, is that there is a lot more nuance that's coming into the picture, which which is super important. And that is that um, there is intersectionality that is being talked about in mental health. And by that, I mean that mental health and how it intersects with, say, gender identity, sexuality, um, you know, caste, class, and how all of these factors also impact mental health and how today professionals and support groups and all these spaces need to be mindful of how this intersection plays out um, and to provide a space that's respectful and inclusive of all, all, all people. So I think that's again a nuance that's building now and it's much needed. It's, it's a high time coming. So, so I think that's also happening. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And it actually leads well into the, the next question I had was, was, um, like both of you mentioned the importance of just experiencing that non-judgmental safe space. But sometimes, again, even if, they, even if it isn't stigmatized, it takes a step of courage to actually uh, accept and, and go and seek help. And so sometimes you perhaps maybe need a nudge from a friend or um, a family member, or you, if you see someone who you think might benefit from that, what are some ways in which you could have a respectful conversation that's like sensitive without without actually maybe scaring such a, such a, for the lack of a better word, scaring the person or further deterring them from, from taking that step? Like what are some non-cookie cutter ways to do that and have a conversation? Yeah, I love how you said that it's a non-cookie cutter way because I think that's, that's honestly been one of the foundations of most of our sharing as well because we oftentimes feel like this one particular thing may not work for everybody. So, you know, one of the things that even we try to emphasize is on figuring out what works for you and that's what's most important. But uh, I think money, also money add in in case I haven't, uh, if, if I've missed out something. But, uh, but I think uh, one of the things that we feel is important is for you to experience mental health care first before you're also, you know, tending to somebody who you see is struggling. I think to approach mental health care for somebody else, I think it always helps for you to come from a space of lived experience in the sense where, you know, you're also sort of experiencing some form of support, whether it's therapy or a support group, trying it out for yourself and then sort of, you know, sharing that experience with this person uh, could always help normalize that, that action of seeking therapy or seeking help. For the person so I think it's it's super important to take care of yourself and see what that's like I think secondly um, a respectful way to approach is approach it is honestly just from a space of care and and compassion for this person because all you're telling them is that you're noticing that they're struggling you're noticing certain changes um, and that's concerning you and that you love them and that you care about them and you're trying to kind of understand what's happening. So I think starting from a space of care where you're communicating that you're noticing these changes and that you want to talk to them about it is I think a good space to start where you're also inviting them to share their experience and um, giving them that safe non-judgmental space where they can talk to you about uh, some of the concerns that are that they're going through. 
And I think once that conversation starts, you may want to then move into asking them, how is, what is the best way you can support them right now? And really not jumping into an assumption of what they need, instead asking them what they need. Um, because I, and, I, and I understand we all sort of come from a space of wanting to help. So one of the first things that we often jump into is that, okay, like, are you going to go to see a professional or not? Or, you know, this is a therapist's number, talk to them right away. And it comes from a space of care as well. But I think to, again, you know, prioritize that person's expertise of what they know is feels right for them right now. So just asking into that, that how is, what is the best way I can support you right now? And you may even want to ask them that have they thought about accessing therapy? What, what really comes up to their mind when they think about therapy. So that could also open up a conversation about whether they have any misconceptions about it or if they have some stigma around it. And if that's still, that's one of the barriers they're facing, then you may want to address that first, right? Either by sending them resources or coming back to the first point, if you have access therapy yourself, then you may be able to also address some of those misconceptions or stigma related ideas that they have so um so yeah i think asking them what they need and uh, having a conversation about therapy before jumping into you should go to therapy is i think probably some of the ways that you could approach that conversation one of my takeaways even in the short conversation we're having right now is how we are viewing mental health care uh, the experience of receiving care from the mental health care system also in a spectrum. I think stigma should also be viewed as an experience or a thought that appears in a spectrum because uh, everyone who, who like if, uh, if anyone feels stigmatized to reach out to support, it's very important to recognize that the reason I am not reaching out to support may not be the reason you are not reaching out to support. And uh, for a parent, it might be different. It might be society pressures. For a sibling, it might be, we don't know, maybe uh, being the, the a child in a patriarchal household. And I think one of the biggest things, even when you're talking about stigma and the mental health care system, is to actually also talk about which part of the stigma are we going to be addressing here. Because a like the work that's been done by the queer community for queer affirmative counselors, for example, that is to actually break the stigma of queer people reaching out to support because there is an experience of counselors who are not equipped to uh, provide support of that level. And I think like Shweta correctly uh, said that if you reach out to care yourself, if you bring it up in a kind of way, if you, if you uh, uh, remind them of the, of how you have benefited from care, also recognize what their misconceptions are, but also recognize what's possibly fueling those misconceptions that's deterring them from seeking care altogether. Definitely, for sure. I I, I, I never thought about it the way that the, the reason why someone might not be going or accessing healthcare is so, so different from, from someone else's experiences and why they're not. So, uh, yeah, I think recognizing that is is incredibly important. I'm definitely going to take that away in from this conversation. The last question I had was sometimes we don't do justice to ourselves in prioritizing our mental health. Um, I think that sometimes it's physical health or work comes first. And 
we don't have those conversations with ourselves like okay but my mental well-being and my happiness and and these things are very important so what are some things that you guys have found that have been helpful for um the people that you speak with and um the people that you reach out to and from your network that that are helpful for people to to reset reset in some ways and maybe um remind themselves to prioritize their mental health like what can you do to like turn the switch maybe if you're falling back a little bit mm-hmm. i think um i think one of the things that that i've also like personally found helpful as well as sort of noticed in others is um really deliberate awareness in the sense that i think like you said a lot of things come first um or almost unconsciously whether it's work or family or my commitments and i i might be functioning almost in an autopilot manner every day where there's task after task after task um and then after that i'm either sort of engaging in you know watching netflix or just chores or you know anything else anything that takes up our time and energy uh but i think uh, that deliberate awareness of taking even if it's 5 minutes in a day to turn inward and really look at okay how is my body responding in this moment how am i really feeling about uh, my day to day what are some of the thoughts that are coming up for me right now i think for me that's honestly the first step to even figuring out okay am i doing okay or not and uh, is there something that i feel like i could speak to somebody about or that i can access some help for or not uh, so i think any any sort of activity that allows that awareness to come in would be helpful um and i think secondly uh, knowing that knowing that you're not alone in that experience in the sense that there is support available out there so whether it's through a peer who's probably been through something similar or a support group of strangers who may have had a collective experience but people you don't know um or even if it's reaching out to some of your immediate um friends and family where you can feel safe and that you trust i think just knowing that some support is available out there uh, is also something to hold on to when we're um prioritizing mental health because sometimes it can just feel like um and i'm and i'm borrowing this from one of the conversations that i had with somebody where we were talking about mental health and one of the things uh, that we were talking about was sitting with difficult feelings that you know you're telling me to be aware you're telling me to uh, access my emotions but then that feels scary because it feels like you're throwing me into an ocean and i i don't really know what to do after that and i feel like i'm drowning even more and one of the things we spoke about was what if you had a life jacket while you're also entering the ocean in the sense that you knew that you know that entering the ocean is important because you need to kind of acknowledge what's happening but you don't have to do that um without a life jacket so just knowing that okay if i'm accessing my emotions i can also find support for the same whether it's through a person through a through a place through a pet through any sort of coping mechanism that's available out there for you so i think these are two things that sort of come to mind 